0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. It's time for Speak Legal, conversations with community law Otago, made with the support of Law Faculty, University of Otago. Yes, this time every Thursday morning we take a look at legal matters affecting our daily lives, uh, demystifying some of the process for you and joining us on the line now from Community Law Ontario, Jesse Hanson. We're going to be talking about prosecutions and decisions to prosecute. Morena, good to have you with us, Jess. Good
1: morning, good to be here.
0: As always, we'll probably start with a bit of definition, uh, Jesse. Let's, um, let's start with that.
1: What is
0: prosecution in terms of the law? Uh, so
1: prosecution is kind of the official word for when legal proceedings are brought against someone uh, in respect of a criminal charge. So it's you know when the official system takes over. Um, nearly all of the prosecutions we undertake in New Zealand are public, so they're brought by enforcement agencies who are given that power by the government, usually the police but also other bodies like customs and then revenue, even the SBCA.
0: Now tell us about the test for prosecution.
1: Okay, so um, not all crimes, even if they're proven or witnessed or whatever, will you know, make um, that test for prosecution. So, under the Solicitor General's prosecution guidelines, before any official decision to prosecute um, should be made, the prosecutor must satisfy two tests so an evidential test and a public interest test.
0: All right, tell us more about an evidential <laughs> test.
1: So, it's kind of what it says on the tin um, they need to have sufficient evidence to place a charge. Um, And the standard required is that there be an objectively reasonable prospect of conviction. That's just really a wordy way of saying that um, they should aim to prove what they're trying to prove to the standard required by the criminal law. So that's beyond reasonable doubt. Um, And there's a few elements they have to satisfy um, to kind of meet that evidential test. So they have to um, have evidence that there is a commission of a criminal offence. So, this requires uh, kind of kind of complicated. It the all the legal elements of the crime. So, whatever's in the statute um, have to be satisfied. So, for in theft, for example, there's four different elements, um, and if any of those elements cannot be sufficiently suggested by the evidence that the prosecutor has, then they should withdraw. They also have to find, they also have to identify an individual um, connected to the offence. So a lot of the time, okay, not a lot of the time, sometimes, it's clear that a crime's been committed, um, but no one can be linked to it. So, I don't know, if someone gets assaulted on the street, but they don't recognise who assaulted them, there can be no prosecution there. Um, There's also adjustable evidence. So this is evidence that can be admitted to the court. Um, and to be adducible, it has to be both available and admissible. So available evidence is something that can be called upon in the court. Um, sometimes some things won't be available, so privileged information, um, communications between patients and doctors, also communications in the House, of representatives in Parliament, and also religious communications. So anything you say to a minister um, won't be able to be brought to court. And also admissible evidence is just things that can be admitted um, under the evidence rules. So things that are improperly obtained or inherently unreliable won't be admitted to court. Uh, So prosecutors have to kind of um, foresee what they'll be able to bring to court and on that basis decide if they have enough evidence. Uh, And the final one is that the evidence has to be credible so it has to be capable of belief. Um, And there's a few things that would impinge on that. So um, witnesses, they may be hostile or otherwise untrustworthy, so the evidence might not be deemed credible. Um, There's also situational factors. So um, if the weather or the light was bad um, when the witness saw the crime being committed, their eye testimony might not be... um, as critical. So stuff like that. Um, prosecutors have to consider all of that holistically and see if they can objectively find a reasonable prospect of conviction.
0: So why why is it important that we require evidential sufficiency?
1: Um, it's important because we do uphold the presumption of innocence in our criminal justice system. So um, prosecutors are tasked with you know, um, actually rebutting that presumption. So they have to really prove something before we invade on people's lives and charge them with an act, charge them with an offence, sorry. And it's also to limit the coercive of power of the state because um, prosecuting people is super significant and can intrude on people's lives really greatly, not just if they are charged, but there's also, I mean, you're being remanded to court, you could be on bail conditions, Um, just the overall stress of being put to trial as well. So we want to avoid these interventions if they are unnecessary. So, of course, we require a high standard of suspicion before we allow that.
0: All right, let's talk about that other test for prosecution now, the public interest test.
1: So the public interest test, um, I mean, yeah, again, what it says on the tin, uh, we have to find if prosecuting this person for this specific crime is in the public interest. So the presumption is that the public interest requires a prosecution wherever there's been a break of the law, Um, so however minor. But this presumption is only the starting point. Um, Broadly, the most important considerations are the harm caused by the offence and the culpability of the person allegedly causing the offence. So the greater the both of those are, the greater the public interest in prosecuting. So we want to prosecute serious and harmful crimes. to protect our communities mainly by hopefully preventing further crimes and to to encourage faith and consistency in our criminal justice system by punishing wrongdoers and showing the public that we condemn what has been done and also by punishing like crimes similarly and not letting one person get away with it, you know? Um, And we also want to prosecute those who are culpable. Um, Culpability is often obvious. the offence itself but it can be present in other ways. So some offences might be especially reprehensible or cruel or maybe done with blatant disregard for public safety. Um, And the guidelines, the prosecutor guidelines, also suggest that we especially want to prosecute ringleaders, repeat offenders and group crimes because these tend to be more culpable than one-off offenders. but the flip side of that is that generally we don't want to prosecute trivial or minor offences because, as I said before, prosecution is a great intrusion. And also we don't want to undermine the integrity of the police or the judiciary by bringing um, petty charges. Um, and, yeah, also it just costs a lot of money and it takes a lot of time, so we don't want to quag the court. And, you know, finally we don't want to prosecute people who might lack culpability for their actions. So this will be when children or young people... Um, and sometimes people with intellectual disabilities or mental illnesses are committing crimes because their culpability obviously is kind of less full than um, other people.
0: Right, so there is a lot to consider, isn't there, for or against, in terms of applying the tests that are necessary to proceed with the prosecution. Um, just briefly, Jesse, what about alternatives to prosecution? Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, so alternatives to prosecution are going to be really important because Um, If they are viable, it'll probably mean that prosecution isn't, you know, isn't appropriate. So they're going to be especially important when the alleged offender is young or otherwise belongs to a vulnerable demographic, who we usually wish to keep away from the official criminal justice system, if we can, and for as long as we can. Uh, It can also be really important for Māori who may be at a higher risk of feeling alienated throughout the court process and indeed are at a greater risk of of conviction and can face severe punishments. So some alternatives are traffic compliance orders. So this is when you get pulled over and the police kind of ask you to comply with a certain condition instead of getting a fine. Um, There's also waiving. Police have the discretion to just waive charges if they are relatively minor. We also have police diversion. do you get diverted out of the court system. So this is commonly applied for young and or first offenders. Uh, we also have discharge without conviction. This is essentially an acquittal. So it means you have no criminal record. Uh, the judge can make this order if the consequences of conviction will be disproportionate to the seriousness of the offence. Uh, and then we have conviction and discharge, um, but they can. The judge can only. Um, give you a conviction and discharge if they're satisfied that the conviction would be a sufficient penalty in itself. They do get a criminal record from that one. Uh, and finally, we do have Teapai Oranga Iwi Community Panel, which is a restorative justice process for low-level offenders. Uh, this is for offenders who have admitted guilt. So the specific requirements for a police referable are that the participant is 17 years or older, has committed offence with a maximum punishment of six months imprisonment or less, and has admitted their guilt. So... Um, kind of like a community panel where you address the causes of the offending rather than um, focusing on a punishment. So, on successful completion of that hearing, participants avoid court and conviction. <sighs>
0: And uh, these are often the areas where we see a bit of public debate, aren't they, around uh, yeah. whether it's appropriate or not uh, for courts to have applied uh, certain decisions around discharges without conviction and yeah. so forth. But, uh, you know, what we can usually say in those circumstances is that whoever's reading about that in the paper hasn't heard everything that a judge yeah. has heard Absolutely. that goes into that decision making. Really interesting, Jesse. Thank you so much for taking some time to, to join us for here sure. for our Speak Legal segment to talk about um, the decision making behind prosecutions. Uh, we look forward to an opportunity to catch up with uh, Community Law Otago at the same time next week to explore another aspect of the law. And Jesse, no doubt we'll chat with you again further down the track.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Kia
0: ora. Community Law Otago free legal advice and support for the people of Otago visit our weekday advice clinics at 169 princess street Dunedin clinic session times are available from the website communitylawotago.com ring 474 1922 or 0800 169 333 if calling from outside Dunedin speak legal is made with support from the law faculty university of Otago training for
1: life